Welcome to the bridge. We're so glad you're here. Won't you look at your neighbor and say you're starting the year off right? Amen. I do want to say that uh, the parking lot is uh, one that gives you a little bit of latitude to park as you wish. Uh, there's no curbs. There's no lines. There's no parallel parking spots. And it looks like you parked wherever you wanted. So I'd love to have a drone right now because I'd fly it over and show. It'd be pretty awesome to have up here on the screen. Look to your neighbor and say, do whatever you want. <laughs> you can have it your way. Well, what a wonderful day to be in God's house and to uh, come back and uh, be with the saints. Amen. Not that we are saintly, but we are God's saints nonetheless. We're not a perfect church. We're just his church. And his church is allowed to not be perfect. Amen. He let people follow him that the religious zealots of the day uh, told Christ, why are you eating with publicans and sinners? So they had a high bar to pass whether you was worthy to worship God or not. And Jesus said, come as you are. Ain't you glad? Yeah. Amen. He opened up the door for us. Um, we are in a new series starting this week. And um, this series and, and throughout the year, we're going to be going through the Bible um, with several different series and some standalone things and different guest speakers and all kinds of stuff this year coming up. Excited to... Um, share the good news of the gospel with you and our goal and our mission here at the bridge church is to become christ-like by learning together and serving others so we really feel like if we're going to worship jesus and we're going to serve god we should learn and we should serve and if we accomplish those two things and do those two things in subjection to the gospel that we followed, that Jesus said that you must believe on him. Amen. Amen. He told us to be baptized. He told us to do some things. Amen. And when we do those two or three things that he tells us to do, and you can search through the scriptures and study that for yourself, but when you obey him and become obedient to him, you ask him to be Lord of your life. And that means the controller of your life. You might park in the parking lot wherever you want, <laughs> but the kingdom of heaven works a little bit differently. It's God's way. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. He gives you a little latitude to park where you want, but then once you get inside, he says, here's how it is. Right. And I'm okay with that. Ain't you? Yeah. The reason I came to him was because I proved to myself that I messed it all up, this thing called life, and I needed his guidance and his help. And the gospel is that Jesus will set us free. And I'm glad of it, ain't you? So the sermon series that we're doing um, beginning this week is the Gospel BC. And some people think that the gospel means, beginning at the book of Matthew, that that's where the story of Jesus begins. But the more I search the scriptures and read the scriptures and look into things, the more I see Jesus in the Old Testament. It was a precursor. It was a prediction. It was a promise from God that he promised that there was a Savior coming. And I want to look into these things, and as we study through these things, this is a, a boilerplate sermon series that I downloaded, but I, I want to, it's going to have our own flair, so if you find this logo on some other church's website, it's okay. Uh, it won't be this message, I promise you that. So, uh, Bari, steal, whatever you want to call it. Well, actually, didn't steal because we paid for the subscription to it. So we're we're all good. We're covered. CCLI license, all that. We're we're all good here. The Gospel BC. 
So I want us to look at Genesis chapter 3 today as we begin this series. And the foreshadowing of Jesus, I think we're going to find, is sprinkled all throughout the Old Testament as we study through these next six weeks. But we're going to begin today at Genesis chapter 3. So if you have your phone with the Bible app on it or whether you brought your Bible in paper form with you and laying in your lap, open it up to Genesis chapter 3. That's the first book in the Bible. There's all kinds of points and things that we can look at to see in this text, but I want us to read through verse 1 through 15. Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit... But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they saw fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam said, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. Then he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, You are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust and the days of your life, all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow, and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. I know I said verse 15, but I won't go through these two. Verse 17, then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In your toil shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out it, out of it you are taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this new year. We thank you for such an awesome group of people that's assembled here together today to worship you in spirit and truth. To sing praises to your name, to declare things. We come here seeking more of you. 
And God, we want to see you from the beginning of this book to the end of this book through your son Jesus because we want to be more like him. God, help us as a church to learn of you just as your word inspires us to do. We would study to show ourselves approved unto you, a workman that wouldn't need to be ashamed. We would rightly divide the word of truth, that we would stop adding opinion, and we would just simply believe you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So there's all kinds of things that we could speak about here, and in those very few short verses, there's a lot of topics that we could pick up. Some misconceptions that the world has told us, and we may have even learned it in a Sunday school classroom somewhere. But I listened to a discussion this past week of somebody arguing whether it was apple or not. It says fruit. It don't say apple. But, you know, that's really something to get in a big argument about and theologically discuss what kind of fruit was it. What's it matter? You know, there's some things you need to be concerned about and other things we don't. Amen? So what is this passage about and what was the intent when God had Moses to write this down and how does it apply to our lives today and what we're doing? So as I've read through this and read through these verses, there's some things here that happens and, and one of the main theological points that we need to understand mostly about this set of verses is it's called the fall of man. So if you want to study theology and get into some deep stuff, just search and Google the fall of man. And there's all kinds of differences of opinion about what all that means. But we can definitely see a fall in these verses. That man was placed in the garden. Adam and Eve was placed in the garden. God come and walked with them and talked with them in the cool of the day. And somewhere along the journey, they messed up and said, I'm going to do it my way. And God created them with his own hands. And these prior verses that you can go through and read in Genesis, you'll see that God spoke the world into existence. He spoke and the air filled with these animals and land filled and all this stuff. All this stuff happened by him speaking. And the first thing that he created with his hands and physically touched was Adam. So if God took special attention not just to speak something into existence, but to touch something into existence, I think there needs to be an awakening in our mind that says, this must be different. So he created them in perfection because it says he created them in his image. And how many believes God is perfect? Amen. So he created them in his image, which was perfection. So as they were walking around in the garden, doing whatever they wished, Things would just grow on their own. Apparently they were vegetarian. Just stuff would grow and they'd eat it. <laughs> Vegetables, fruits. Leslie's already sick of them after a couple of days. But somehow man, created in God's image, was designed and created and God allowed because nothing happens unless God allows it. Them to have what is called in, in my mind and what, I, what I've studied is human agency. So has anybody ever heard of hu human agency? No? I thought you all went to college or something. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> human agency. Corey could probably define it for me, human agency, but... Okay, he'll jump right on that. So human agency is basically a, a, a well, I'll just go read it from the Internet so you can get it exactly how it's going to be. So human agency, because I don't want to mess it up with my uh, Lewis County slang version. So human agency is this. 
the other right one. Is the sense of control that you feel in your life your capacity to influence your own thoughts and behavior, and to have faith in your ability to handle a wide range of tasks and situations. So agency, and I've heard this on podcasts here the past couple weeks. I've heard this word multiple times. I've studied it. I've read about it before, but it's, it's been coming up, and I'm like, agency, a sense of control. They had control of themselves that God designed them with, right, in the garden, in their purest form, in, in their perfection state. But in the midst of that, God did, did give them some control, but he told them, he never said, uh, you've got the ability to do this if you want to. He just simply said, do not eat of this tree in the garden. You've got all the trees in the garden. Everything's perfect, everything's, but there's one little bitty tree out here. And just stay away from that one because you'll die. But in their mind, think about this state of perfection, something like a state of heaven, an eternity, okay? There is no dying in heaven. There was no death in the garden. It was a perfect place. So whenever he said, don't eat it, for surely you shall die, they had no concept of what death means. And sometimes those inquisitive things that we ponder about and wonder about is something that causes us great harm if we'll dive into it too far. Amen? So there's nothing wrong with being curious, but curious George eating a piece of a puzzle ends up in the doctor's office. Amen? The book that Howie had when we was kids. So I, I think they wrote that book just so we didn't, they didn't want kids eating pieces of puzzles so they'd go to the doctor's office so you know, you can tell your kids right now, you're going to the doctor, and they're thinking, a shot, all these things. These images all might come up right now. See, just like that. She knows. She's probably already got a few of them. See? Yep, pulled her shirt up. She's ready to stick me in the belly, she said. Elsie Faye. But human agency is the ability or the sense of control. It's not the control. It's the sense of having control. And as human beings, during this fall, we did expand our ability to control things. Adam and Eve choosing to fall away from the Garden of Eden and the place of perfection, they made a conscious choice, I'm going to do this even though I've been told not to. And by making this choice, it's going to expand my choices. And the second they ate of it, it says that they knew they were naked. And they sewed together some fig leaves, trying to cover up. But even with the fig leaves, when God came and spoke in the garden and said, where are you, Adam? He said, I'm afraid I was naked, and I don't want, I don't want you to see me like this. You had fig leaves, Paul, come on out. Amen? So maybe the nakedness wasn't physical as much as spiritual. Because whenever we can come to God spiritually naked and say, here am I, a sinner, save me. Amen? And the second we can come to him with a knowledge and understanding, I am a man, as Isaiah said, of unclean lips. I am one that is far from you. And I'm coming to be near you, and I'm just going to expose every sin I've had, God, because I know your son Jesus' blood on the cross is sufficient to cover them and make me holy once again. So this agency that we're talking about, that I'm, that I'm speaking to, it, it, is something that, that God gave us in that garden more so than we had in the state of perfection. So what am I telling you? You've got more control over your life than the perfect Adam did or the perfect Eve did. You have more choices to make. But because of those choices and those first initial choices to expand their choices, expand their choices, God said, now you've brought about this change that I can't leave you in this perfection anymore, this place of perfection, and I've got to pull you out and move you somewhere else. 
And there's a great argument about where is the Garden of Eden and all this stuff, and you, you can go deep in that. Is it in Africa and Ethiopia, and there's people that believe it's Israel, and there's people, there, there's all kinds of thoughts about that. Talks about rivers. It's got, it's got places there that kind of would help us understand that somewhat, but is that one of those things that we really need to worry about? Because I can assure you one thing, it ain't here no more. Amen? How many knows if, if the Garden of Eden was a place on earth that we could go and attend today and just get a plane ticket and fly over there? Amen? I, I'm leaving here. Sign me up. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. That's where I'm going, right? So that agency is the control, and we have a lot of it today. And human beings in existence today, and ever since that point in the garden when they chose to eat of that fruit, has had more choices to make. But in those choices are all kinds of consequences. And that first choice had a lot of consequences because before that, no uh, pains of birth, apparently. Right? To the woman, that's going to be, you're going to deal with some pain during birth. Can all the women say amen? Mom told me that when I was born that she said she thought I was going to, she was going to die. Because I was a 10-pound, <laughs> big old lovey-dovey, comfy, yeah, squishy. Yeah, how Annette is born, you know, in the seven-pound range, and here I come 10 pounds. She said she thought she was going to die, literally. It was to the point where she thought she was dying when I was born. She'll probably test to you today that that pain never ended there. It went on. I, I compounded that. I just kept it coming, you know, just, just to add, add more to it. So how many feels today like you've got agency? How many feels like you've got control? We all do. Even as a Christian, God doesn't pull back our agency. We're still in a state of brokenness. In human existence, give my life to Jesus doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm perfect in his image, in his eyes, because he sees nothing but the blood of Jesus. But on this side of that blood, I'm still a train wreck. Can anybody here attest to that? And I'm not giving you... A, Paul says, should we continue in sin? Absolutely not. Look at your neighbor and say, absolutely not. <laughs> we, we, we shouldn't want to wake up and sin in the morning. It shouldn't be a desire of ours. Like, I'm going to see how bad I can mess it up today so Jesus could suffer some more on the cross. But this agency that God gives us is the control that he leaves with us even in our Christianity. So Chuck, when you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean you got out of jail free card. Basically what I'm saying is you're still in bondage. Just like the children of Israel had been taken out of Egypt and come through the Red Sea and end up over in this land where they were supposed to just spend a few days in a journey to get to where they was going, but they just went around and around and around the mountain. They complained. They murmured. They hated God's leadership. They hated what God told them to do. He even gave them free food. God had the best food stamp plan in, in history. It's called manna. Amen. How many would like to have some manna fall from heaven today? Eat, eat some of that good stuff. That'd be awesome. But after you do it so many days, they was out there for 40 years because they couldn't shift their mindset to say, I'm sick of eating this so much that I'm going to do something different. Come on, somebody. You're going to keep eating manna that God gives you until you make your mind up and use your agency to say, I'm sick of existing in this same state of existence that it seems like I go into a new year and it seems like just another year. Amen? That my agency, my control, my ability to make rational decisions has not changed. So I'm going to do the same thing I've always done. I'm going to go another trip around the mountain or another trip around the sun or another trip around the moon or whatever you're doing. Even in this Christian state of being, there is yet agency. But in this Old Testament text, the beauty of it 
of Genesis chapter 3, it's the first promise of redemption. And to be redeemed means to be bought back, to be purchased with a price. So God purchased us with what? The blood of his son. So in our state of existence, as imperfect, what, what do you call it, a hot mess? Train wreck and slow motion. Leslie says hot mess all the time. I don't even know what that means. But express. Oh, that's even better. That's like the faster train. That's not just the that's express, express version. But in that state, God's yet got a promise. Imagine going all the way back to the beginning of this book that we call Holy, the Holy Bible. And in Genesis chapter 3, the first promise to humans that God says to the first humans that got pulled out of the Garden of Eden and placed in these other places, the very first place, the very first ones. And he says, yeah, you got agency. You got control. You can speak to some things. You can think some things and you can control some things. But... I got a promise. How many is thankful for God's promises? How many believes that he's slow or slack concerning his promises? That's what Peter says in the New Testament. He said, some count the Lord in his slackness. That means he give you a promise, but it looks like it ain't coming. It's been a while. Amen. How many, how many has a promise from God? Maybe it's hard to tell them what the promise is. There's, there's a lot of people in this room from a lot of different ages and a lot of different backgrounds, and a lot of different families, and a lot of different hollers. Amen? There's some differences sitting up in this room. And God's promises are to you, in the, according to the scripture, is yes and amen. His promises are yes and amen. What does that mean? Yes is the answer. Amen means so be it. God said, let it be. If he promised you something, and it hasn't come yet, don't. Amen? Don't give in. All the way to the end, don't give up. So this promise is actually in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is what I want to read. And, and let's look at this. Just look at it. Mom loves that video we showed her. Would you look at that? If you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. The video of the guy selling the car. Just look at it. <laughs> if I'd have known that, I'd put it on the screen. It'd been so good. That'd been the best three minutes you'd have had this morning. <laughs> Just look at it. Verse 15. It says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Enmity means hatred. If you want to define that word in its pure sense, it means hatred. Ladies, let me tell you something. The enemy hates you. But guess what? He has an opposing force, and it's called God. And that means God loves you. Because God's not like him. Amen? So ladies in this room today, know this, that if the devil hates you, and it feels like he hates you a lot, that means the more that God loves you. Amen? His love is unending. It does not have a beginning or end. It's unending. So there's enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. Seed. So if the devil is who God is speaking to, to, speaking to the serpent and telling him this stuff, I will put enmity between you and the woman, hatred between you and the woman, and hatred between your seed and her seed. That means the devil is out there spewing and has seeds that he's planting. And I don't know what all that is. I do know that the scripture says that there is spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Amen? 
and he is out there spawning this stuff to encapsulate us on this planet and to cause us to believe that our agency is broken and that our choices are a few. And he don't want us to understand that God desires us. So he put hatred between the woman's seed and, and the seed of the enemy too. But then he goes on and says this, and this is the, the, the two sentences right here that I want us to really hone in on. He, he, talking about a seed, God's saying there's going to be a seed coming, a redemptive thing that I'm placing in the future through a prophetic voice of God speaking to the enemy, saying there is someone coming that's the seed of the woman. And listen to this. He shall bruise your head. And I heard a preacher preach a message one time that said the devil only has one place to exist in a Christian's life, under his feet. Amen? Don't give him any control, any ability, any choices in your life. His place is under my feet. And we used to sing a song a long time ago, and I thought that's what Leslie's singing right now because we heard it so much at church up at Raceland Church. Pastor Wells loved it. He, it's probably one of his favorite songs, I suppose. It's under my feet, under my feet. Satan is under my feet. You want to get up and play it? It'd be awesome. No, no, I know you could. You, you've heard it, I know. He shall bruise your head. How many things that happened? The life of Jesus on this planet, 33 and a half years, going about teaching and doing good, healing the sick, Blind eyes were open, deaf ears were open. The dead were raised again. Tabitha, you know, Lazarus, there, there was people that was raised from the dead. Was that bruising the devil's head? I think it was. Don't you love a bruise that you hit again? <laughs> Ever have one of them island where you got bruised and then all of a sudden you're just out there doing something and it gets hit again? It's like, oh my gosh. That's just a new kind of pain. And imagine 33 and a half years of that, Amy. That Jesus is saying, you think you got me? Jesus is saying, I've got agency. I was born of a virgin. I've got pure blood. And I know who my father is. And I'm going up to the mountain and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to come back down and I'm going to do some more good. Then other scriptures you'll see that Jesus goes up the mountains and prays and gets close to his heavenly father and comes back down and does some more good. If anything we as Christians should be doing today is going up to the mountain, getting more of him and coming back down and doing some good. Amen. If what our world needs today is that because it bruises the head of the enemy. But there's a difference between a bruise and a death blow. It's, a, it's just a whole different thing. One that puts you out. And we went to the tough man last night. Danny and Lana and Bo and Mary was there up in Huntington. You know, the fighters come out there and got the big dreams. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. And it's kinda, you know, whatever Mike Tyson's everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face or you know, <laughs> one of them kind of things. <laughs> Fighting is not like how you pre propose in your mind. They're not going to stand there and let you punch them and kick them and karate tom them or whatever else. <laughs> Judy chop. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But it comes to the finals, and we, we was watching, and you know the finals, you know the farther you get, the better people are. But th this one fight, it was just like one you could tell this was going to be the really, really, really good fight. And both of them just cut, ripped, prepped, ready, prepared, wind, got it all. And they get in the ring, and you watch them, you know, one's wearing American shorts, so, you know, you've got to root for that guy. But the other guy's a firefighter, and I like them too. <laughs> so it's like, what, who am I going to root for here, right? So you got the American version gladiator boy and the fireman. And they, they go at it. And there's three rounds, and it seems like an eternity to them, but when you're out there in the crowd, you know those few seconds that they're there waiting on the dinger, well, it's not that long really to us, but whenever you're in there getting punched in the face, I'd say it's a pretty long time. So <laughs> this fight goes on, and it's, it's really good. You can't tell. It's coming out of the second round. It's like this is pretty even. This, this is really close. 
and it's going to come down to this last round. It's got to be somebody's got to go. I mean, you got to put it all in the ring. You got to leave it in there. And, and, and this, you know, and the 20 year old versus the 30 year old, it's like, I don't know. The young guy's probably got an upper hand because he's stamina and he's going to go through this third round. But next thing you know, I mean, they go, they're duking it out in the third round. I'm talking punching each other very hard, and I wouldn't want to be in any, on, on any of that. And it's like, and I mean, people screaming and hollering. You know how it is tough, man. Everybody there's tough. I, I love watching people walk around. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Just watch. <laughs> let you, it's kind of like a bandy rooster at a, at a chicken fight, you know. And <laughs> But. Yeah, it's pretty, and especially in West Virginia. I mean, that just makes it that much better. I love my West Virginians. That's where I come from. Mom's family come from West Virginia. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Pastor Wells is from there, so I gotta, I gotta watch. He's probably watching online. I'll get in trouble. Um, this is American man lost, I guess. Yeah. So as 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 they're going at you know third round, and I mean. It is so many seconds. I don't know how long it is, but they're—I mean—they're going at it, and it's like, and then they slam the whatever it is, and that way you know there's ten more seconds. So that's your warning as a fighter. If you think you're behind, now's your time. Go, go for it, right? And I mean, they literally go at it. I, it, it scary, and I'm talking bruiser, big boys, two hundred five pounders, pure solid, and I ended up, you know, the one boy that I th I thought was going to end up up getting it because of the way he was fighting the last round and into those last 10 seconds he's leaving it all in the ring and next thing you know old fireman comes up and just poof, and that guy goes in the air like this and he, he's out because his hands are dangling and his feet start falling before his body does <laughs> and he hits the mat and he's out i mean it's it's scary looking almost and the doctors come running in and and the worst p place to be in that kind of audience let me tell you is in between the two families. <laughs> and guess where Danny bought our tickets? <laughs> we are in the exact middle. <laughs> and his, the American Boys family's right here. And, the, the, and it's like, what in the world are we doing here? Why, why are we doing this? And they're booing and hollering and screaming. And I thought, we're going up in a fight. And it's going to be Manny Roosters all over the outside of the ring. It's going to be awful. I mean, when that boy got punched in the face so many times, his nose bled every round. It's like, to go back in there and say, I, I think I'll, I'll do this again. I'd have been one uncle. You know, once the blood was coming down to round two, I'd be like, nah, I'm done. The devil don't get that. <laughs> Apparently, he gets punched so many times. Think about this. Since this writing of this verse, God has always won. Is anybody in here hearing what I'm saying? God has always won. And yet this fool, known as the devil, still keeps trying. If he's got anything, it's willpower. And he wants to take you out. Amen? So as he's doing that and attempting that, God is yet with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you even to the end of the age. If God be for us, who can be against us? And if we could get that to be our mindset and just refuse to lose. Do you hear me? Refuse to lose. I'm on the winning team. I've gave my life to Jesus. I can do nothing but win. It may look slow coming sometimes and everybody else's opinions and their viewpoint and their introspection into my life really doesn't make any difference because what does God think of me is the only thing that matters. Amen? If we listen to everybody else, we'll get off cue sometimes and use some of our agency and say, well, I need to make this choice because Billy said to do this or, or Bobby Sue said to do that. or you know, I don't know if that's names of real people or not, but either way, people try to tell you what to do all the time. The only thing you need to worry about is what does God say? What does this word say? And it says, his seed shall bruise, her seed shall bruise your head, devil. And then it says, though, and you shall bruise his heel. The final part of that 315 verse says, and you shall bruise his heel. So when Jesus stomped the devil's head on the cross of Calvary, it bruised Jesus' heel. 
Think about this. Can God be hurt? Can God be hurt? If Jesus was God and his heel was bruised, apparently there's some hurt there. And the only hurt that I think he'll ever feel, in my opinion, is losing one of his. He said, I've got you in my hand, and in no wise will you be plucked out. There's no way you can get out of God's hand other than make your conscience agency decision. I don't trust him anymore. I'm going to go do it my way. And there's people on this planet that tells God, I've tried it. You took too long. And I'm going to go do it my way. And as Christians, that's a scary place to be. It's called backsliding in the New Testament. And I think that's one of the bruises to Jesus' heel. This promise that somebody's coming. Did you put that graphic up? And I know you can't see this, but I found this, whatever it means or whatever they're called. It says, we cannot force somebody to hear a message they are not ready to receive. But we must never underestimate the power of planting a seed. That rock couldn't hold the power of a little bitty seed, an inkling compared to it in comparison. But God, the power of a seed. So this ser sermon series, let's see if you start playing, this sermon series is, is, I think God sprinkled these seeds of a prophetic unction and a voice to say there's somebody coming, redemption is coming. Your Redeemer goeth nigh, it says in Old Testament all over the place. It means that God is coming near. He's redeeming, he's buying, he's purchasing back. And he's sprinkled the Old Testament full of these verses that says God is coming. It may not feel like it. It may not seem like it. It may not look like it. But I promise you this, God does not lose. power of a seed. These are seeds that God sprinkled in the Old Testament because it's seeds that are planted and they would come to harvest and that harvest happened when B.C. turned to A.D. and the King of Glory come rushing in. Jesus come on the scene and it changed everything. It changed the calendar. If God can reset time, don't you think he can reset you? If he can stop men from counting backwards and cause them to start counting forward. Look at your calendars. God did that because Jesus was born. The reason we got B.C. Road here is a different time. It was looking towards Jesus. From Genesis 3.15, it was looking towards Jesus. But now we're after Jesus. The battle's already been won. Amen. He might have bruised him. But I think Jesus got the upper hand if he's one with the bruise on the foot and the devil's one with the bruise on the head. Amen. This year, let us learn from God and let us use our agency for the good that we would choose what God would choose for us. So if you would, I would just have you to bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to pray for us for a minute. and God, I thank you that you're all sufficient. You're all knowing. And you're all powerful. And God, there's needs of people in this room, including myself. That God, we have used our agency not for the good at times, but for the bad. And God, I pray today that you would cause us, as King David said, renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Let us start afresh and start anew. 
God, that we would use these bodies that you've given us, these lives that you've given us, these resources that you've given us to do good. God, I pray, Heavenly Father, help us to come up on the mountain to get close to you so that we can come back down and do a lot of good. Help us to be like your son Jesus because he redeemed us from our broken mess that we was to be who you've created us to be. There's a purpose, God, and I know it. God, as people in this room is sitting here today that needs to make a decision, whether that's to give their life to you for the first time, and there's no better way to start this new year than to do that. There's people sitting here today that may be returning, that's coming back, God, that they've, they've, they've backslidden against you, that they've jumped out of your hand, that's wanting that you let them go or the devil pulled them out, they chose to leave your hand. And God, they're sitting here today saying, I need to get back in the fold. God, I pray that you give them the ability, the courage, the strength, the wherewithal to do just that. That choices would be made in this place today through agency that you've given us to do good. Father, we appreciate the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin so that we can be new. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. I want everybody here to bow your head and close your eyes, no looking around. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you, you you're just sitting here thinking, you know what, I, I went through another year and I thought I might do it last year and I thought I'd do it, do it the year before and I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And you're sitting here saying, man, I want to go in this year and do it a little bit different. I don't want to go around that mountain and do it by a whole other time. I don't want to be like the children of Israel. Failure after failure after failure. I'm ready to win. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. That's me. Today it would be a good day to raise your hand and say, this is me. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you so much. Thank you for that hand. Is there others? You're here. Just make the decision. Just shoot up your hand and say, today is my day. I'm going to give him my life. Anybody else? Just lifting up your hand. Say, Pastor, pre preacher. Pray for me. Now, if you're here as a Christian, that you've backslidden against God and you know you've walked away from Him and you can feel Him tugging at your heart and when we sang the song, Holy Spirit, you're what we need. And Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart's door right now and He's saying, allow me to come in and renew a relationship with God. Today's your day. If that's you, if you're in a backslidden state and you want to come home to God, Today would be a good day for you to make that choice. I just want you to lift up your hand and say, that's me. Amen. 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 A lot of hands. That's awesome. That is awesome. Thank you for those hands. What a beautiful thing for people to come home to meet God right where you're at. And he's come running. He's come running. I want us all to pray together. Everybody here. There's some people in this room. I, I feel like you. Is there anybody here needs a healing today in your body? I just want you to lift up your hand if you need a healing. Amen. 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 Yes, yes, God. I just want us to pray right now. Just pray for salvation, pray for restoration. Everybody repeat this after me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. 
I'm asking you, forgive me for my sins, for my faults, for my failures. Help me to choose wisely and follow after you all the days of my life that I would enjoy heaven with you in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you that need healing, I want you to take, if you will, just lay your hand over on your neighbor there and you don't need to know who was praying or who wasn't as far as needing healing. Just lay your hands on your neighbor. The Bible says that there is the laying of, on of hands, that the saints would lay hands on each other and they would be healed of diseases. And I believe in that. I believe it's scriptural. I believe it's theologically sound for the saints to lay hands on one another and pray for healing. So I just want you to pray for your neighbor right now, if you would, just whether it's silently or out loud, either way. Father, I thank you today that your word is full, sprinkled in the Old Testament and new, that you are the Lord, our God, our healer. God, I thank you that in Isaiah it says, Lord, that by the stripes that Jesus would take upon his back that would heal the nations, that it would heal all manner of diseases among us. And God, we thank you that Jesus took those stripes before he went to the cross for healing for those that need it. God, I pray that their health would spring forth speedily, just as your word says. Just as Jerry got that report last week that dumbfounded the doctors that said, there's a mass. But Jesus, you showed up and there is no mass. God, you can do supernatural, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And God, we believe and trust in you that you do those things that miracles are for today. And we thank you for it, God. We're going to trust you. We're going to believe you. And we're going to walk in faith because you ask us to do just that. God, we thank you today for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.